Hi, I'm Paul Nogloz, President and Executive Director of Crisoni on the Delta. Crisoni on the Delta is a Memphis-based nonprofit dedicated to fully exploring the vital link between food and health. Each year, for the last four years, we have convened in person world-leading researchers, innovators, investors, entrepreneurs, and growers dedicated to hashing out collaborative solutions to the world's most pressing challenges in food and health. Well, hi, I'm Michelle Gleckler. I'm a retail and consumer veteran of Walmart and Hershey. And today we are discussing the topic of the need to engage the consumer in the food, ag, and health story. And I'm joined by Matt Crisp, who is the CEO of Benson Hill, and Bonnie Estes, who's the VP of Technology for Produce Marketing Association. And um, the sessions have been great today. We're going to get started. Um, and our overarching theme, as it has been for the day, is food is health. Of course, earlier today, it was uh, commented that good food is health, and I thought that that was a very relevant point. But for our session today with Matt and Bonnie, we're going to dig into three key areas around food is health, and that's the consumer, the modern food system, and then action for process, for progress, sorry. I, we've heard a lot of proof points and a lot of data today, um, but we'll conclude our section with a uh, discussion of action for progress. So let's start with the consumer. And I wanna start with Bonnie. Um, PMA is a recognized leader in fresh produce, obviously, from consumer trends, sustainability, supply chain, safety, um, and your area, technology. So tell us, Bonnie, how tech is using consumer insights to develop breakthrough progress. All right, thank you, Michelle, and thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to join this conversation. Um, and yeah, the consumer, as we've seen, has the ability to transform industries overnight, especially in fresh produce. We have to listen and try to meet their needs. Um, so the biggest consumer trends that we're seeing right now around fresh food is um, consumers looking at food for health and immunity, um, consumers wanting localization of their food and convenience. And technology plays a really big factor in being able to bring consumers what they want in these areas. So if you look at health, using technology to grow more nutritious crops through better farm input management and genetics, um, so upping the nutrition profile in the food that we're supplying today, and then also improving supply chains and marketplaces through digitization allows for fresher, more nutritious foods once it gets to people from the farms. To look at um, consumers needed to address local, since COVID, there's been a desire to not rely on these big global um, supply chains from a food security point of view, but also support of local communities and the desire for increased freshness. So technology can play a big role in developing online marketplaces, making connections that never existed before to grow, buy, sell crops in local areas. Also, as we're seeing, indoor farms in local communities will help supply fresh produce with a shortened supply chain. And then lastly, around convenience, um, 
these numbers are staggering to me. A year ago, 81% of U.S. shoppers said they never bought groceries online. Online shopping was around 3% of all grocery sales or about 1.2 billion. But in June, online grocery sales in the U.S. hit 7.2 billion. Technology will aid development um, of these supply chains and also the last mile delivery with robots, drones, and mail services um, and the software that's required to deliver this food to consumers. Thank you, Vani. Appreciate it. And you hit on some key areas there. I love the local part, especially, you know, when you're in the stores and it tells you what farms the produce comes from. You also talked about the supply chain and using technology for that, which is great. Um, Matt, Benson Hill is obviously built on technology, um, data science from seed and beyond. Tell us how tech is benefiting the economics of fresh food for both farmers and for consumers. Sure. Thanks, Michelle. And, and thanks uh, to the organizers for getting the conversation together as well. Um, this bridge between the, the grower and the consumer, um, in our perspective, is, is imperative. It's something we can't lose sight of. The, the consumer is certainly shifting the system, helping advance the system. It's demanding, frankly, um, attributes of our food that our current system isn't really you know, built to provide. Um, and we think technology is a, a pivotal uh, input in order to meet those needs to bridge the, the grower and the consumer. And when we say technology, broadly speaking, it's data that come from uh, the, the crop itself, uh, but the food and the ingredients that it produces, the formulations ultimately that, that, that comes from those. Um, so when we think about this integration or this layering effectively of data science, of, of plant science and food science, it's the synergy between those three uh, that you know, allows us to create um, effectively a fast track for product developments and to develop novel approaches to doing what, what Vani just talked about, increasing nutrition density, um, you know, enhancing the taste and the flavor profile. But I really want to focus also in that mix on affordability. Uh, you know, there's an, there's an accessibility to food that um, I think it's, it's really, it's, it's garnering appropriately so more and more headlines and, and we don't want to lose sight of the fact that it's not just again about the premium uh, or the premium product and real you know helping consumers realize the fact that food is health but it's uh, it's making it accessible to you know the broader population as well and technology becomes a linchpin uh, as part of the solution to do that. Good. Matt, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, Bonnie, when you started, you said, you know, you use the word consumer and then you followed that immediately up with listen, which I love that because I think that consumers have the voice and the power more so today than ever. The days of push marketing are nearly extinct. Um, everybody has a voice. Influencers has a vo have a voice and a platform to shout if they wish. Um, people want authenticity. People want trust. Um, I also heard you say at the very end of yours, um, you know, this this consumer voting for online and especially during COVID, how they're changing. Um, two big retailers that reported this week, both Walmart and Target. I think Walmart was up 70% online, Target up 155% online. That's, of course, not all food, but there are things like grocery pickup, and curbside pickup were up in the, you know, the several hundred percentage points. So the consumer has definitely changed um, and they have the power. 
So when you think about building the story of food is health, um, you got to think about it with the consumers in mind. What consumer insights or facts do you think about that are often overlooked? Vani, let's start with you. I think one thing of, of trying to do this is really thinking, um, how do we move to a more personalized nutrition? And I think part of this, you know, as Matt was saying, is really thinking about the accessibility. And so we don't want this just to be you know, for people who can afford to pay more, but really thinking about um, the the guidelines and the dietary guidelines that people need that have different diseases or they're trying to live with diabetes or, um, you know, a lot of these different diseases that they may be able to eat differently. So we have these average dietary guidelines, but nobody's really average. Um, so consumers really want information on what they eat for health for their particular bodies. Um, we're seeing a few examples of doctors and healthcare institutions prescribing food and diet instead or in addition to medication. Um, but what is the right diet for a diabetic? And can we develop boxes, you know, and, and can that be a prescription that can be sent to them, you know, to have the right diet for, for that person? Or um, can we send a box that's the correct diet for a 40-year-old woman um, who's a cancer survivor who likes to run? So, like, how do we start moving towards using genetic information and uh, personal information and our understanding of food as health and make that accessible to all people? That's great. I love the concept of personalized nutrition and with the one-on-one -on -one interaction that's so prevalent via social media and otherwise, it, it's really a possibility. It's no longer just an idea. It's absolutely a possibility. Matt, anything that you would like to add into that consumer discussion? I'd only add that we've got to do this one product at a time. Um, you know, we've learned that when you when you lead with technology, it, it often leaves consumers wondering, well, gosh, well, uh, that sounds really fascinating, and, um, but what can it do for me? Help me understand exactly what the tangible benefit is. What am I going to eat that's going to allow me to access these benefits? Um, and so we need, we need I think, as, a, as a, uh, an industry to listen, to use Bonnie's, Bonnie's point, um, but we also need, and, and, and engage uh, thoughtfully, but we need to provide tangible examples of benefit. Uh, to consumers in order to land with them the value proposition. You know, you know, my wife goes shopping. She, she doesn't necessarily know how to dissect the label, but if we can distill this to, hey, it's better for you, it tastes better, and it doesn't cost anymore, or it, it provides these types of, uh, you know, uh, benefits that help combat uh, cardiovascular or other chronic diseases over the long haul, um, that's a big deal. Okay, now I get it. It's starting to become real to me. Um, and, and again, I think one product at a time, we can achieve that, um, both at the ingredient level and the food level. The other component of this that people we know are caring more and more about is what is this not just doing for me, but what is this doing for the planet? And again, this makes it real. You mentioned local before. I mean, it's a perfect example. Local in a lot of ways means that I know where it came from and therefore I have trust. And we have to develop trust at the same time that we present these value propositions. We can't just say, hey, this is really great for you. And, and we use some approach that, you know, and we grew it somewhere. Uh, we, we, we have an obligation, I think, uh, in order to really advance the food system the way that it deserves to be advanced, to be very transparent, proactively transparent and deliberate with explaining how food was developed, where it came from, 
what the attributes are. And, and the more visibility we can provide and the more tangible outcomes that we can use to demonstrate the benefits, uh, the more I think we'll ultimately be able to lift up the food system as a whole from end to end. Matt, I think it's great. And what's sticking in my mind from, you know, kind of your, your piece there is one product at a time. And there was an earlier session today where they were talking about the retailer's role for some of the things that you mentioned, like labeling and showing the benefits of products, all things that, you know, the, the folks that are out there listening have the power to do. Um, when you think about the modern food system, which, which as you mentioned, and you gave us a personal example of your wife shopping as well, um, but you are both in positions to lead the transformation from where we are today to a modern food system where the benefits are plentiful. And I mean benefits like sustainability. Um, Matt, you mentioned our planet. Uh, benefits like nutrition, speed, access. Access has been talked about in a lot of the sessions today, as has affordability. Other benefits, um, obviously an overarching reducing healthcare costs, farm economics, supply chain, waste reduction, um, and obviously importantly, taste. Um, none of this really works unless the consumer can get a great tasting product. So those are a lot of areas of benefit. Can you each select an area and share how your team is leading the transformation in that particular area or that particular benefit? And Vani, we'll start with you. Well, I'm gonna cheat. <laughs> um, so PMA, uh, the Produce Marketing Association is an association that works across the entire supply chain from crop inputs, you know, from seed genetics all the way through to the consumer. And we have dedicated professionals that work in supply chain and sustainability, traceability, um, produce safety, consumer experience and retail. So all the things that you mentioned. So. For, um, for us, our job is to educate and bring people together to create a healthier world. So it'd be really hard for me to say, here's the one thing that the team is doing. But in, um, so we're trying to tackle it all and really communicate uh, across the supply chain, all these benefits of, of fresh. Um, but in, in my group, uh, in the technology, we're really focused on four areas meeting the changing consumer preferences. So what are these preferences and how do we meet them using technology through the whole supply chain all the way from genetics um, to retail? Um, looking at labor, how do we deal with labor and the issues around um, labor? And a lot of that ends up being looking at automation and how do we use our labor better? Extending shelf life so that we have less food um, loss and shrink and um, farm optimization. So doing, uh, doing more with less. So those are kind of the, the areas that I'm focusing on right now. Great. Thank you for sharing those. And I know that with such a broad responsibility, um, PMA can do so many things and thank you for the work that you and your organization are doing. Matt, when you think about all those benefits of the modern food system, tell us a little bit about uh, one of the benefits or a couple of the benefits you and your team are leading. Well, the, the lever that we're most excited about that we talk about, it's a cornerstone of our purpose as a company is, is leveraging nature's natural genetic diversity. And um, it's all the technologies I talked about before that ultimately allow us to do that. Um, but if you zoom in and let, let's, let's use a specific example of um, nutrition density. 
So plants have an incredible capability to produce protein, especially soybean. We call it sometimes the king of protein because it can produce more protein per input, per unit acre, per any really metric that you, you would ever look at um, than any crop in the world. Uh, farmers know how to grow it. But the way that we think about soybean today and, and that most would, if asked, would be as a commodity. It's a commodity that's been bred for what? Yield, 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 yield. That's how big ag seed companies sell seed as they breed for yield and they have been doing so for decades. Um, but let's go, go back in time and look at the natural genetic diversity that soybean has. Let's look at the, uh, the amino acid profile that soybean has, has the capability of, to produce. And you realize that it's actually extremely powerful. We, we can look at using that natural genetic diversity to increase nutrition density to levels that are so high that we don't even need some of the processing approaches that we use currently in the supply chain. And, and this is how you, at a, at a foundational level, this is how you can use what nature gave us for all of the benefits that we just talked about. More healthy, uh, nutritious, better tasting, higher quality protein, more sustainable in spades, um, such that again, we produce what it is that we need at the crop level and, and then go from there. So some people have put this to us as, um, it sounds like you're producing a more whole food. It's kind of an interesting way to think about it, right? Because if I, if I produce something that you really want in the field and you harvest it and can move it directly into your food without having all of the processing steps that may be required otherwise with a commodity crop, hey, we've, we've hit a lot of birds with one stone, but it all starts with that natural genetic diversity. That's fantastic. I mean, just in that brief moment, Matt, you really outlined the transformation that Benson Hill um, is after. And that's not easy work because there's an economic model out there that you really have to disrupt. And I can tell that you have had this conversation with many folks and you know big ag well, and that these, these soy products were bred for yield, 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 as you said. But the real breakthrough and the transformation comes from disrupting that economic model and coming up with, with what you call nature's diversity and getting things even better. And then once you can break through that, you make them taste great. And, you know, that then you're home with the consumer. But this does get complicated. And we've heard that throughout the day. And I don't want to shortchange the fact that there is an economic model out there that really has to be disrupted. And I thank you for the work that you and the Benson Hill team are doing. Um, and with folks, you know, like PMA supporting that, I think that's a really big deal. Um, I promised at the beginning we would talk about action. Um, you guys each shared what your companies are doing. There's accelerators for our progress. Um, in many ways, COVID has forced some innovation um, and has also forced some progress. I'm interested if either of you, just in our closing minutes, have experienced any positive impacts of COVID, any accelerations or any recent drivers of action um, that uh, you can share with us. So Matt, let's, uh, let's go to you on that one. Yeah, sure. I, so, I mean, COVID has clearly revealed and I'm, I'm, I know it's been talked about and is being talked a lot about in, at Crisonia and otherwise that 
Um, it's revealed vulnerabilities in our food system, uh, but it's also revealed you know, some opportunities and uh, some opportunities for growth and, and for development uh, for business and otherwise. Um, I'd point to two things, maybe, you know, one, we, we can all, I think, appreciate that um, an opportunity area that's emerged or rather accelerated is this alternative plant-based protein space. So when we think about um, the, the drastic growth of this category, um, the need for ingredients that, uh, like I alluded to with soy and also yellow pea and other legumes and pulses, uh, there's, a, there's a highlighted benefit there. And it, and, it, and it helps us realize that the consumer, maybe it's because we're all locked at home, but we're thinking a lot more about health and, and what we put in our bodies and, um, and, and the planet and you know, we're more aware. Okay, that's, that's all I think terrific. But there's another side of that sword where you know, there's a population that can't afford, as Vani put it, to buy the premium, et cetera, right? That's forced into, um, you know, I'll call it staple options, center aisle options, and, and that's, that, that makes for a wonderful, you know, bump in business with the CPGs. But what I'm glad to have, I'm glad that we're seeing the CPGs do is take this opportunity, maybe it's because there's a little bit more in the black than in the red all of a sudden, to innovate, to think about tomorrow and not just today, and to think about how we can ultimately make these types of healthier options affordable for a broader audience. Because as it stands right now, what COVID has done is it's in part separating our, our system. It's almost creating two systems. Uh, one of folks who can afford uh, you know, these premium options and another that you know, is really reduced to or pushed to the center aisle. And um, I just think that it's worth highlighting and um, I'll, I'll stop my comments there, but that's, that's, a, that's a call to action that I think a lot of companies have an obligation to play out at any level they can, uh, you know, they can make happen. Absolutely, Matt. This is complicated. It will take all of us. Vani, anything, any accelerators to our progress that you and your organization have experienced? Yeah, I think I know we're running out of time, so I'll go quickly. But I, three areas I think I see a lot in is trust in using the technology. A lot of the technology has been around around sensors and around data analytics to help people figure out how to move um, product around. They're now trusting the analytics. They don't just have to see it with their eyes. Um, so that's great. I think it's making the system better. Second is around labor. Um, one of the reasons we have this global food supply chain is because labor um, costs less than other places. So as we automate and use more automation, we may relocalize our food system um, using more automation. And then third is around this huge change in the ability for marketplaces to connect uh, people with no prior existing relationship. So at the beginning of COVID, we had so much food that was slated for food service that ended up getting kind of stuck in the supply chain because we didn't know what to do with it. Um, but marketplaces just sprang up, like all these marketplaces sprang up to figure out how to route that food differently. And now that we're engaging with the marketplace in that way, there's no going back. So there's a lot of changes that have happened in the supply chain around that. So I'll stop there, but I, I'm seeing a lot of things that were just not being accepted before COVID and we kind of got forced into using technology across the supply chain in different, very positive ways. Great. Well, thank you, Matt, CEO of Benson Hill and Vani, the um, VP of technology for 
uh, produce marketing. You've been informative, you've been interesting, and you've been inspiring. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this afternoon's Food is Health Forum. More importantly, we hope you learned something, and we hope you made valuable connections that can help you with collaborative solutions going forward. Help us keep the conversation going by registering for our bi-weekly Chrysonia Conversations and joining our Slack channel. Both can be found at chrysonia.org. With that, I'd like to thank our sponsors and partners for making this afternoon possible. We will return to Memphis. In the meantime, please remember, food is health.